podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the big 12 conference. Thank you for joining us for episode 200-200. I am your host, Philip Slavin, as I have been for every episode. Joining me today on a Monday for a jam-packed, fully loaded, lots of guests Monday, Jamie Steyer. Hello! I'm feeling good! Damn, it feels good to be a cyclone. Always, but especially today. And Andy Mitz. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm just feeling glad and blessed that we are tied with Oklahoma in the Big 12 standings. <laughs> we, of course, being Kansas, something that would normally be reserved for, well, not even basketball. Like that is, that's uh, outside of like Blake Griffin years that that wouldn't even fit for basketball even. So here we are. Uh, yeah, we have a wild weekend to talk about and break down. We've got a whole lot to get to. We've got quite a few guests on the show. Melissa Trebowasser. Jared Goodridge, Stephen Lassen, Ari Temkin, all going to join us to talk about Texas, TCU, the Big 12 in general. And yeah, we're going to talk the playoffs a little bit. I feel obliged to, even though I don't think it's worth a conversation this year for a number of reasons, including there are other things to talk about than the playoff. Anywho, let's get to obviously the biggest biggest outcome of the weekend. Um, The thing that's got Jamie just like bouncing in her chair like a child on Christmas Eve, Oklahoma going into Ames and dropping their second straight game in Big 12 play, something that hasn't happened since like 1980-something. I know that everyone knows the stat. I don't remember what it is because there's too many stats for me to track. This was surprising. I guess not surprising, but surprising because OU just doesn't lose in situations like this. And don't I don't want to hear about like, the black uniforms. I don't yeah, like the, don't my point. I don't like the all blacks. But it's not no black is not a school color. Yes, other schools do all black, but other schools incorporate their school colors into their black uniform. So when you only do black and white, it means you're trying to make black school color. Put a little red or yellow and be done with it. Also, how sad is it that Iowa State's best record in a uniform is like the least Iowa State uniform you have, Jamie? Okay, that's a lot that you just threw at me. Uh we'll start with Black uniforms, we can't have gold accents because we already get too much crap about the Hawkeyes. So that throws that right out of there. We've had red accent stuff on black before, but white's a school color. So there you go. There's that for you. Everyone has white as a school color. That's not, that doesn't and? count. That doesn't count. Well, all right. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Salty. I'm done. I'm done making fun of <laughs> Iowa State. Seriously, congrats to Iowa State. Uh, look, this is a huge win. Uh, considering where Iowa State started the season with a loss to Louisiana, to bounce back and get wins over TCU, and now this win over Oklahoma is huge. Jamie, like, how are you feeling, and 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 what was your biggest takeaway from from Saturday? It's honestly, it don't I don't think it's completely like sank in yet. I think that as the week goes on and we continue to talk about it, and as we see, you know, more stuff about standings in the conference, things like that, it's just one of those things where everything's been so bizarre and so all over the place that finally something going right. It's like, when's the other shoe drop? Like, what's the catch? Because that's kind of how 2020 goes. And that's kind of how Iowa State, being an Iowa State fan goes. However, 
feeling really, really good. Feeling extremely just impressed with how the guys pulled it out. Um, having fans in the stands, being able to hear cheers on the broadcast. I mean, there's really no replacement for that. The big takeaway I would have is, well, first of all, that I was really impressed with the mask integrity that I saw on the TV broadcast because I didn't see too many noses popping out and too many uh, masks around the chin. So first of all, very proud of that. Uh, second of all, I thought Brees Hall looked really good. And I know that that's a really bold statement. No one else has made that observation yet, but that's that's what I'm going with. Look, we are all members of the Breeze Hall fan club here. I mean, I, I am. Jamie is. I think Andy yes, is. Yes, begrudgingly, yeah. I am as well. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't. It's it's one of those things where you're like, I don't want to be, but how can you? How can you? It's like that one song that plays on the radio, and it's like I don't I don't want to because I don't like the band. But God, this song is really good. Like, even if you don't like Iowa State, it's really hard not to like Brees Hall. That kid is an absolute stud. Look, it's it's it's, it's wild. It's, it's one of those when you you know when you liked him before he was really cool. Um, you know, kind of like with, with with music all the time. Like I liked them before they were cool, and then everybody likes them, and it's like, man, do I have to keep liking them, or can I find the next best thing? Unfortunately, he's still that good that I can't you know jump off the bandwagon at this point. Yeah. Uh, so Andy, just what were your thoughts on Saturday at, in this game? You know, the, the biggest thing that struck me from this game, you're like props to, to Iowa state for what they actually did. But I think the biggest story to me is just how, how bad Oklahoma looks. We, we were talking a little bit before we got started here. And the thing that jumps out to me is that Oklahoma is usually the best team in the conference because of their preparation. And I think the COVID situation has really hit them a lot harder than a lot of other teams because they look to be completely out of sorts. They look like they saw things that they just weren't ready for. And that's something that we don't see from Oklahoma teams. Um, you know, and, and so like this, I think this highlights just how much of an advantage they have from a scheme standpoint in most years. And they just don't have that this year. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot to ask a, a redshirt freshman and Spencer Rattler to lead them the way that they have been led by, you know, transfer seniors in the past um, when their defense has, isn't getting any better at all. Um, But I I just think that there's just so much that their offense looked out of sorts because it seemed like they, they saw stuff that Iowa state showed them that they just weren't prepared for. And so they weren't able to get rolling the way that they normally do. They still put up 30 points. That should be enough to win, you know, even though, you know, jokes and you know, about the big 12 and being all offense and there's no defense is like, that still should be enough to win um, in a Big 12 conference game, especially in that kind of situation. And the defense just didn't get it done last night for them. I think for Oklahoma, the problem is, you know, coming into the season, we talked about, oh, you've got, it's the first time they're going to have a a true, like, new starting quarterback who hasn't had experience for Lincoln Riley. You know, it's a a new kid. It's not uh, Baker Mayfield who's been there for a few years or Kyler Murray who had started at A&M or – Jalen Hurts, who had played at Alabama and been awesome. Um, you've got to deal with the fact that you don't have a go-to receiver. You've got all these guys that are really talented, but you don't have a go-to. And, and there's the concerns about the running backs, and you've got suspensions and, and and guys opting out and leaving. And we thought, but it's OU. Like this, we we deal with this every year. It's not gonna be that big a deal. Like it happens every year. And I said I, I said that on this show. And it's kind of all coming to fruition. Because what OU I think where we get we get lost on Oklahoma is they dominate the Big 12. Well, we, they dominate in wins and losses. 
and in winning the, the conference every year. But they don't necessarily dominate on the field, I think, as, as much as we think they do. Uh, you know, since, I think, 2017, OU has, won, has had 14, 14 games decided by, by 10 points or less. Last year alone, 2019, they beat OU, or they beat Texas, Iowa State, TCU, and Baylor by a touchdown or less, and both times against Baylor. OU has a clutch gene. Sooner magic is real. But at a certain point, when you walk and dance on the edge of a knife, you're going to fall off eventually no matter how good you are. And this year, you, know, you look at games, people want to want to call out Spencer Rattler. I thought Spencer Rattler's played well. I thought he's been great. He has not been the problem. Sorry he threw interceptions on the final drives of both games against Kansas State and Iowa State to help seal the win for those teams. But if you're upset at Spencer Rattler for not being the best quarterback in the country and thus making your team not lose when other things are the problem outside of your quarterback, then you really see what the problem is. It's not Spencer Rattler. It's everything else. It's having Seth McGowan, who's a freshman, as your running back. And look, Seth McGowan's been good. It's not having a CeeDee Lamb. You've got good receivers, but you don't have that guy. It's having a defense that is letting you down week after week. And I don't think this... I. I this is what concerns me for Oklahoma. It's not one thing, and it's not Spencer Rattler. And that's the one thing you know with Lincoln Riley they're going to do well. They've got a quarterback. That's not the problem. He's a redshirt freshman. He's going to keep getting better. He's going to have those opportunities to win games in the final drive, and he's going to make them happen. But for right now, it's the fact that he has to. And if you're Oklahoma and you have aspirations for becoming on the levels of the Clemsons and the Alabamas and the Ohio States, that's not how it's going to work you can't be that way in the Big 12. You have to not be having so many games that are close and coming down to the end. You're able to to sneak out and get the W. All that's coming back to bite them this year. I'm curious how many more times they're going to get bit. Yeah, and what I've seen from Oklahoma in these last two games, you know, is that the offense gets to the end of the game and they lose their composure. And that's not something that we are used to seeing. And I think that is as much of having a freshman quarterback who hasn't been in these situations before as not having a game plan that's set up in the way that they're expecting. You know, when things don't go right, they they haven't had the the ability to kind of, you know, lean on the experiences they've had in all the other positions or lean on the, you know, the the drilling they've been able to do in practice, like all that stuff that they usually have. And so, like, I think it's just everything is coming to a head right now. They're not as well prepared as they usually are. And that's usually where they beat you is that they are well prepared everywhere on the field. You know, even when the defense doesn't perform, their their offense is such a well-oiled machine that they can make up for it. And they can't do that this year because they haven't been able to get it to the same level that they're used to having. Yeah, coaches a lot of times like to have the phrase, at least, you know, the coaches I've been around love the control what you can control. And unfortunately for OU this year, there's so many things that they can't control that even the things that they can, you know, they're just not enough. You know, you can't control that you've got a young quarterback. You can't control not having the reps that you generally would, all those other aspects. So it's just so many things piling up and we're seeing what we usually don't out of them. Agreed. Again, props to Iowa State. Not that Iowa State's win isn't big, but I think this is, I think this is a little bit more about Oklahoma than it is Iowa State. Now, if you're an Iowa State fan and you want to celebrate this win in in a, in a fun way, might I suggest going to home field apparel and buying yourself a nice vintage Iowa State t-shirt or hoodie. It is getting chilly out and I that's in Arkansas, so I can only imagine up their names. Of course, y'all are, you know, farm fed and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure it takes till December before you're like, oh, there's a chill in the air. Look, they have 
fantastic shirts at Homefield Apparel. Whether you're a fan of Iowa State or Baylor or Rutgers or North Carolina A&T, their latest edition, which is super cool, go check their stuff out. We talk about it here all the time. Part of that is, yeah, their sponsor. Mostly it's because their stuff is awesome. I got my marching size shirt. I will admit, I wore it while I watched Iowa State beat Oklahoma on Saturday night. So I'm going to take a little bit of credit for that win. Just kidding. Uh, So go to homefieldapparel.com. Pick you out a couple shirts. For Iowa State fans, pick you out some Iowa State shirts. If you want, they got UConn. They got Virginia Tech, Pitt, Auburn. I don't know what your second team is. Put a couple in the cart. When you get to check out, use 1012-TEN12, all cap. Get 20% off your first order. Guys, they're super comfortable. It's the kind of shirt that, and buy more than one because I've seen too many people tweeting about how their girlfriend and wives keep stealing their home field apparel hoodies and t-shirts. Like buy more than one because you're going to need one one because you're going to have to share because once you put it on, you're not going to want to. And what are you, you going to actually like wrestle your, your girl for a, for your hoodie? No, you're just going to let her wear it and you're going to go get your backup that you bought. So homefieldapparel.com, 10, 12, 20% off your first order. Be rocking some awesome, vintage, comfortable gear this weekend so the other big game to me texas and tcu obviously texas losing their first game of the season Uh, very excited to have two guests here to help break that game down first up melissa trebwasser frogs of war our good friend joining us today uh just to talk about tcu real quick for our our 200th episode melissa obviously uh, you're uh, you're in pretty good spirits after a I think weird is a good descriptor, but an, a good day for TCU coming out the victors over Texas. Let's let's just sum this up quickly. Um, how do you? I mean, obviously the win is big, but is there any big takeaway you can you can get from this beyond just beating Texas? Well, first of all, let me say congratulations on 200. Um, I've had the privilege of being a guest uh, several times, and um, really happy for you and, and all that you guys have accomplished. So, congratulations on that. Um, second of all, I think that the biggest takeaway from today's game is that Max Duggan is a legitimate star in the making. Um, he is a franchise quarterback. He is um, capable of playing at an elite level. What he has done over um, six quarters of play in the last two weeks gives TCU fans um, a lot of reason to be excited. His accuracy, his touch, uh, his ability to stand in the pocket, and then also his ability to make plays with his legs. Um, if the offensive line fixes things a little bit and, and improves um, and the running game gets going at a higher level, then I think you're looking at um, Max Duggan is being a chance to be you know, a top three or four quarterback in this league right now. Um, and having the connection with Quentin Johnston, um, or sorry, former Texas commitment Quentin Johnston, um, but that's really starting to develop as well. So um, offensively, this is a much better team than we've seen the last couple of seasons. Defensively, um, let me know if you find a pass rush because that's I think that's most, the most glaring issue on that side of the ball. So does this change your expectations for TCU for the rest of the season or not? I mean, we saw, you know, Max was coming out already a year ago against Texas. I mean, some people saw it. I didn't. I will say this, that um, I got a little bit of sweet karmic revenge when Keontae Ingram was the one that fumbled that ball at the goal line after knocking me out um, of uh, photographing last year's game. But, 
you know, we saw TCU do the same thing a year ago um, in, in a much cleaner win and then go 5-7 and seven on the season. So I think that it's too early to, like, jump on the hype train, but it definitely gives you a little bit of hope that this team can score. And if the defense stops giving up big plays and starts kind of playing fundamental assignment defense, uh, they should be able to stop people with, with the talent that they have. So um, going into the year, I, I thought this was probably – you know, a six and four, maybe seven and three team that things broke right. Um, now, you know, you're looking at only playing nine games. Uh, there's some winnable games on the schedule, but I think the one thing that we've seen is that nobody really knows what's going to happen week in and week out. So, tempering your expectations at this point is probably the way to go. Yeah, the big plays, obviously a big thing. A lot of, of Texas's offense came on just a few plays, to be honest. Uh, just to wrap up here, is that something you think is fixable? If so, is it something you think that they can do quickly, or is that a concern for the rest of the season? Well, you know, we were told it was fixable after last week's game by both the coach and the players, um, and, and then we saw kind of the same issues happen this week. So uh, you're still looking at a relatively young group outside of the names that you know, Trayvon Merrick, Darius Washington, Garrett Wallow, not a whole lot of veterans on that defensive side of the ball. That being said, they, sh- they should not be making these types of mistakes, and most of them are things that are correctable on film. Um, and so you'd like to think that they'd get this together before you've got Kansas State and, and Oklahoma coming in and then Oklahoma State still on the books. So um, I think it is fixable. I don't. I think it's going to haunt this team all season long. We, we've seen that historically with Gary Patterson defenses, that they are susceptible to the big play not to the level that we're seeing this year. Um, I, I firmly believe a lot of these issues go away if TCU figures out how to generate some type of pass rush. Um, it, it's, just, it's far too easy um, when the defensive line is it, not really playing assignment football and not getting to the quarterback to, for the secondary to kind of get eaten up, and I think that's some of what we saw today. I mean, Sam Ellinger uh, had all day to throw. There were uh, no sacks. I think there was uh, like two quarterback hurries. Um, maybe maybe a, a, a couple of uh, uh, tackles for loss, but the, the line has to be more aggressive to enable the, the defensive secondary to do what Gary Patterson's defense does. Um, they, they cannot be on an island for as long as they've had to play so far this year. Yeah. 225 of Texas's 388 yards of offense came on five plays on Saturday. That's obviously something that TCU is definitely going to have to work out in the Big 12. Melissa, enjoy the win. Thanks for joining us. Can't wait to get you back on again, and we'll talk to you again soon. Awesome. Will do. So obviously we have to talk about the Texas Longhorns, my good friend, Gerald Goodridge, the Burn Orange Nation, and the Longhorn Pod joining us to play our little game. We like to call, what do you have to say for yourself? And Gerald, today I want you to put on your Tom Herman mask. I want you to to reach down into his soul. And, and, and I want you to explain to me, after a, a 33-31 loss to TCU on Saturday, uh, Tom Herman is now 1-3 versus TCU and has six losses in AP Top 25 team against an unranked opponent. That's the most in FBS since he took over in 2017. Texas talks all the time about how it, it, it out recruits everybody else. You know, this is this is this is a team that's supposed to be back, as Sam Ellinger himself said, and I that's I wouldn't bring it up, but he did say it himself after a win over Georgia. And yet here we are. Uh, Texas has lost a game already. Um, they had a close game against Texas Tech that probably Maybe should have been a loss, but credit to Texas for overcoming it. Uh, and a big game coming up against Oklahoma, who Herman has a okay record against at this point, considering how good Oklahoma's been. So as Tom Herman, Gerald, do me a favor. What do you have to say for yourself today? 
Well, you know, Philip, winning is hard. Winning is hard. And uh, honestly, you know, there's not a whole lot to say. We're, uh, we came out and we played really undisciplined. We uh, you know, made mental mistakes. A lot, of, uh, a lot of that was on us. You know, you can't put yourself in a position where the officials beat you. And, and that's kind of what we did. We put ourselves in bad spots and we were unable to uh, capitalize on opportunities. Again, I think uh, maybe going hurry up with, you know, two and a half minutes left on the clock from our own three yard line. Maybe it was not the right decision or from TCU's three yard line, I should say. Uh, probably not the right decision. Maybe milk some of that clock, have my senior talk to my uh, fumble prone running back about, you know what, we've got four tries at this. So why don't you just hold on to the ball? Uh, there, there was a lot of, of this that's on the coaching Philip you know, on us as coaches. We don't, we did not get our team prepared for what apparently I think Gary Patterson doesn't to the table which isn't much uh so i think at at some point we've got to start looking at ourselves in the mirror and figuring out why can't the execution that we have in practice uh why doesn't that translate to the field against teams that we should uh be able to beat gerald slash tom um you know texas has been accused of playing up and down to the opponent and at this point there's enough evidence to point to and say that seems to be a fairly accurate description Texas plays great against great opponents. Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, Oklahoma in in Red River every year, Utah last year. Um, But they also seem to allow teams that they should be superior to play up to them. TCU on a regular basis. Uh, We can point to a number of Tulsa a few years ago. We can point to games every year where this seems to be the case. Um, Maryland. Yes, good point. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Thanks for bringing that back up. Uh, So I'm curious, do you have a an explanation as to why that is on a, on a game to game basis that Texas can't seem to play at a consistently high level. Well, it's an easy sell when, when it's, you know, their, their number, the number next to their name is smaller than yours. So you don't have a number next to your name and they do. It's a real easy sell on why you should be motivated. But I think I'm having a harder time selling them on the culture we're trying to create in this one and no mentality when, well, we should be able to just roll it out there and, and take care of a team like Maryland or take care of a team like Texas tech or take care of a team. Like we, should we did against UTEP, but that was apparently just an aberration. I think at some point it's, it's a motivation issue where we can't uh, figure out what makes these guys tick. We can't figure out well, it's a sense of entitlement. Like, Hey, we're at Texas and these guys aren't as good as we are. Texas rooted us and not them. I don't know what the situation is, but there's, a, there may be a little bit of, I can't figure out how to get these guys to punch through uh, on teams that they should beat teams that, talent to talent you look at you line up the number of of four and five stars on each team and i'll let you make a guess at which way that one is weighted uh so at at some point it's i've got to figure out how to make that uh make that happen because mac brown never did that i say never uh for the first 10 years of his career at texas didn't do that uh even charlie strong sometimes is able to roll it out and just kind of get half effort and beat a couple of teams but uh, i think at some point we've got to figure out why we can't get these guys motivated when uh when it should be easy so tom you've got red river showdown this weekend and as we've seen uh, you already struggled with oklahoma and now they're you're going to face an unranked oklahoma team um should that make texas fans more concerned i i say in jest but seriously how how big is now facing an oklahoma team that's lost two straight and 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 is just like Texas seems to be in a position where they have to figure out how to turn things around quickly. Uh, how much more pressure does that put on you uh, in a game where there's already a ton of pressure because it's a rivalry? 
Well, you know, I believe that that pressure is just manufactured in your own mind because I feel like I'm smarter than everybody else. Um, but at some point, uh, you know, when Oklahoma is infinitely beatable, like they are this year, uh, I should be able to get a team up for a team that, you know, we want to keep our senior quarterback from being the first ever to lose to OU four times. Uh, we want to, we want to be able or lose to, excuse me, four different OU quarterbacks. So we want that to be not the legacy of, of Sam Ellinger and a guy uh, who we've kind of built our identity around. And so I think, um, you know, getting, getting the guys up for OU, right. Every games, you kind of got to throw the, the records out of the, out of the window a little bit to make sure that you don't, um, you don't end up with this situation where, an OU team that has a quarterback that's infinitely rattleable, pun intended, uh, is is uh, doesn't beat you when they should. All right, Tom, uh, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it, Gerald. As always, it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for being a good sport today. I know that uh, I know it's a hard a hard time for you guys. Uh, I'll say this: this is for 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 where these two teams are at right now. This might be one of the most interesting Red River showdowns shootouts rivalries whatever you want to call it we've seen in a little while oh you could be mathematically eliminated by by, by next week which is nuts or we could have two two and two oh you in texas true. which just i don't even i don't even know i don't even know uh gerald tons of fun again thanks for being a good sport and uh uh joining us here for our 200th episode and uh, we'll get you back on again soon bud thanks man all right so we'll get to the rest of the weekend here in a minute but but jamie and andy this weekend coming up We've got the Red River Showdown, Red River Rivalry, Red River Shootout, Red River. We got Red River. Okay, I don't, I'm, I'm done trying to figure out remember what the third word is. We've got Red River. OU in Texas. One of two things is going to happen. Either OU is basically going to be completely eliminated from the Big 12 championship game with a third loss in conference play. Or after four games, both Oklahoma and Texas are going to have two losses. I mean, OU losing again is detriment is is terribly detrimental. Texas losing to the most vulnerable looking Oklahoma squad we've seen in a while, certainly since Tom Herman got to to Austin, is going to look really bad for Tom Herman, who's not on the hot seat. But we're back here again with a Texas team, a ranked Texas team, losing to an unranked foe. They can't beat TCU, especially after Tom Herman's. Uh, statement about Gary Patterson this week as a coach. Uh, now it just looks even dumber because basically Tom Herman just looks like Tom Herman. Who needs this win on Saturday more between Texas and OU? Depends on what you're asking about. Like if if Tom Herman needs this win the most, like that's really what it comes down to. It's not Texas or Oklahoma that needs it because honestly, I think both of these teams have serious flaws. They're going to have a hard time pushing to get to the playoff. And like, that's the expectation. Neither of these teams are going to go to the playoff, even if they end up winning the big 12. Um, I'm, I'm going to call that right now. And it's one of those things like, um, you know, I mean, that's, that's the goal. So like, I don't think either of them can actually get there this year just because of how bad they've looked in, in the spots that they've looked. Um, and so really the only thing left is that Tom Herman really needs to hold on to his job. And if he loses to Oklahoma, then I, I think it's, you know, it's very easy to say he's on the hot seat at this point. And, any unexpected loss the rest of the way could be enough to kind of push him out. You know, Charlie Strong got fired for losing games that he was not supposed to lose. Tom Herman was not supposed to lose his TCU game. And it came on really quick for Charlie Strong. And so, you know, one more really bad unexpected loss to a team like, you know, Kansas or even Kansas State at this point, like those are games that they are supposed to win. And they have had problems in the past with those two particular teams. And so 
you know, if he loses this game against Oklahoma, there is absolutely no margin for error for him for the rest of the year. If he wins this game, that buys him a lot of goodwill, keeps him in the opportunity to get a Big 12 championship, um, berth at least, and and like it it solves a lot of problems for him. So I think Tom Herman specifically is the guy that needs this win the most. Yeah, I I definitely agree with what you're saying about Tom Herman. However, I will say that Oklahoma, considering how long it's been since they've lost two consecutive Big 12 games, for them to go in and drop three straight at that point, it's kind of hard to keep your team engaged. I mean, a lot of that has to do with who your players are as people. You know, there's some players who can stay engaged for a full season without winning a game. There's some people that tune out after one loss, you know, so it, it kind of depends on the type of guys they have. And I think OU tends to have guys who can stay engaged, but it does. I mean, even for the best of them, even for the people who have the best focus, it's really hard to continue to hold your confidence, to continue to stay really ready each week when you are being told how you're underperforming, when all you see is how, oh my gosh, the collapse of Oklahoma, you know, at that point, it's like, well, we're out of the championship game, we're, you know, already kind of ruined the season, whatever that we thought we were going to have. And so at that point, it's like, how do you keep your guys ready to go when everything they thought they were fighting for the Big 12 championship, uh, college playoff berth, all of that is off the table. Well, I, I mean, I almost wonder, though, like, Oklahoma can at least say, look, COVID, like, this is kind of one of those things. They have been so super successful that if their one down year in like a 10 year period is the year that everything went crazy because of COVID, I think that they would be okay with that. Like, yeah, it sucks for the guys that are playing this year, but also anyone who was thinking that this was their last year can come back next year because of the eligibility rules. Like it's, it's not like they've completely lost everything. You know, I, 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 it's, it's kind of funny because I heard them kind of talking about this in the, the Kansas Oklahoma state game. Um, the announcers were basically saying, well, yeah, it's really hard for, you know, these guys to know that we're building for the future, but this is going to be their last year. And I couldn't help but yell at my TV. It's like, it's not the last year for anybody that wants to come back. And so if that's what you're worried about is losing guys, like losing them in the locker room, because this is their last year, this is their last chance, and it's now a lost year for them. That's just absolutely not true. If they want to come back for another year, they can come back for another year. And so this can easily become for Oklahoma a like, yeah, this really sucks. You know, we're we're out of the Big 12 championship contention. But if this is going to be the year that we're going to have a weird year, like there's so many things that are outside of our control. We can use this to get better, come back next year and go and, you know, just run through the entire Big 12 next year. And so, like, I think there's enough there. Lincoln Riley is safe enough in his job that he can sell that to the guys. And knowing that anybody that wants to come back and try again next year can do it makes that a whole lot easier. I just I just think that Tom Herman doesn't have enough left on his contract to be able to do something like that if he loses to Oklahoma. And so it's, it's going to be crunch time for them. Sam Ellinger, I don't think Sam Ellinger wants to come back next year. So like he wants this to be his last hurrah for an opportunity for them to win the Big 12. So, I mean, everybody on Texas, there's urgency now to, to be successful this year. Oklahoma, yes, there is that urgency because they're used to it. But I also don't think it's the end of the world for them if they end up losing this like it would be for a Texas team. Don't tell OU fans that. Oh, you know. Well, OU fans, like I mean, ones. it's it's always, <laughs> you know, the end of the world for fans if their teams lose, sure. especially if they're sure. expected to win. Sure. Uh, so obviously we've talked a lot about Oklahoma, quite a bit about Texas. Uh, let's 
those weren't the only games this weekend. So other outcomes, of course, West Virginia getting the double overtime win over Baylor, uh, 27-21. Kansas State hanging on after both Kansas State and Texas Tech losing their starting quarterbacks. Kansas State getting the 31-21 win. And uh, Oklahoma State, Kansas. Look, uh, we won't spend a lot of time on Oklahoma State because they beat Kansas, and I'm sorry. And, and, and yeah, I don't, I don't mean that to be bad. But I do want to point out one thing about Oklahoma State. I think... After three weeks, and I know people wanted to, I've, and I've still seen people giving them crap about the game against Tulsa. You know, they played three different quarterbacks. Uh, didn't put up the points you would expect against West Virginia. Uh, they did put up more points than, than Baylor did at, in regulation, mind you. Um, and then what they did to Kansas. And I know that Baylor didn't let Kansas do much of anything. But Kansas had 10 drives before Oklahoma State started bringing in all the backups. They mustered 59 yards. Against the backups, they put 134. 134 of their 193 yards of offense. Kansas got in their last four drives of the game against Oklahoma State's defensive reserves. Okay. I I get it. Oklahoma State has played Tulsa, West Virginia, and it's not. A, I don't want to make this as a shot at West Virginia. They're the best of the three teams they've played so far. But Tulsa, who upset UCF on Saturday, West Virginia, who is... Two and one now. And Kansas, who looks really, really bad this year. Yes, they do. But I don't think I don't think I'm going too far out of the limb and saying Oklahoma State, I think, has the best defense in the Big Twelve this year. I want to see them play a better offense. I want to see them play a good offense. Um, and they're gonna get opportunities coming up. They've got they're idle this coming week. And they've got a road trip to Baylor, they've got Iowa State, they've got Texas, and they go to Kansas State. So they've got four straight very difficult games coming up. Um, that's why I'm not I'm not going to go all in on 3-0 and just yet because I want to see them play some of the better teams in the conference. But uh, Oklahoma State's 3-0. and They've been able to survive issues. Oklahoma hasn't survived their issues. Texas hasn't survived their issues. No one else has gotten undefeated. Yes, Iowa State and Kansas State, both 2-0 and in conference play, just like OSU. Iowa State and Kansas State both played Oklahoma. They've had more challenging conference games so far. I don't think Oklahoma State's going undefeated this season, but I, I think I think it's time to take them seriously, especially if Spencer Sanders is 100% healthy uh, in two weeks when they go to Waco to face Baylor. I think the defense in Oklahoma State is real. I think it's the best defense Mike Gundy's had in his career there. And I, and I, I do think OSU... I mean, everyone feels this way, especially OSU, Kansas State, and Iowa State. But this, if there was ever a year, guys, this is it. And I, I think they can do it. The only thing I'll caution there, Philip, is that the three teams that they have played defensively, or I'm sorry, on the, the, the offenses that they have played against have had not very good offensive lines at all. And when Oklahoma State's, you know, huge edge on the defense is that defensive line that they have that just absolutely wreaks havoc. That, that it's going to make it hard to see if the holes that Oklahoma State does have in terms of the secondary, you know, because like, I would I would argue that that's their weakest spot and it, it could potentially be an issue. They haven't gone up against an offensive line strong enough yet to really find out just how much of an issue that might be. And so, again, I, yeah, I, I do agree that they look like the best so far, but I think it's because they're so dominant on defensive line that the three teams that they played had absolutely no no opportunity to really get anything going offensively. Again, I, I'm holding full on reser- like I know all the things I'm saying about OSU. I'm trying to take my fandom out of it. I'm 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 not I'm not pushing my chips in until Waco. I'm not going to do it. 
They got they've got to go to Waco and and look good for me to be like, okay, let's see how. And then they got Iowa State, but I, I, the the concerns after week one, I I think we have to take the Oklahoma State defense seriously. I do. I I, I do think we do. Okay. Agreed. Um. So Andy, I won't make you talk about Kansas unless you really want to. I I'll say a few things. So, you know, okay. It's one of those things. Yes, it was an absolutely horrible game, but. The, the the tone was set super early in this game when I believe it was on the fourth play defensively for them. Their starting safety got injured. Then they had a starting cornerback go out on the next drive. Then they had their backup cornerback go out on the next drive. Like They, they have a total of 22 defensive backs. Um, 14 of them were available pregame. They ended the game with five healthy defensive backs. Like That is how bad the game went for them. It was that ridiculous. How like and and the worst part was like when they went to go put the backups in like as you were talking about there were no backups to put in anymore because all of them were playing because they play a lot of five defensive back sets and so it's one of those things those guys were dog tired by the end of the game they were playing well above what any of them were expected to play they played okay like it wasn't you know it wasn't like they were they were getting huge stops, but they also weren't getting burnt routinely. It happened occasionally because Oklahoma State does have skilled offensive players, but it, it like it, it the bottom didn't completely fall out in the secondary like I expected it to. They just got run to death up front, um, and so you know there is definitely some things that uh, that that you can take as you know very very thin silver linings for this team, but they have so many injury issues. On, on a team that was already dealing with so much young talent that was trying to get up to speed in the Big 12 with basically no no opportunity for them, um, you know, to get that preseason practice that they needed. So Kansas fans, you know, I hate to say it, but I have absolutely no reason to think that they're going to be anything other than 0-10 unless, you know, my often predicted Texas Longhorns absolute fail comes to be, which would get Tom Harmon fired for sure, no matter what else happened this year. Um like that's the only thing I'm holding out hope for, just because I'm I'm hoping to actually be at that game. I would love to actually see them upset Texas. I think it'd be absolutely hilarious, um, you know. And, and and but you know, zero and ten is is probably the surest bet on anything that you can get in the college football season this year. So if if you're looking to make a little bit of money, if you could actually find it anywhere, go go with you know Kansas losing every single game the rest of the way out. Hey, if if Arkansas can end their Losing streak to Power Five and conference foes, anything can happen. But but okay. Arkansas anything. actually looks decent this year. Like that's the thing is like yeah. I mean you know they they ended that it was very very similar to when Kansas ended their big long streak because they had a team that looked a lot more dangerous than people had come to expect. Um, Arkansas actually looks decent this year. Like I'm not expecting them to win a whole bunch of games, but they actually look like they're going to jump up and bite a few people. Kansas has absolutely none of that, and it's because of all the youth and all the injuries and everything else is going against them this year. I was trying to be nice, but, but okay. Uh, no, no, can't be nice. I need, I need to stay mad because otherwise I don't know how I'm going to get through my own podcast. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to shortchange West Virginia or Kansas state or Texas Tech or Baylor. Um, we're going to get to, we're going to talk about Kansas state quite a bit next week. Um, since there's only three games and we'll talk about the three games here in a minute. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on, on our other two winners from the weekend, West Virginia or Kansas state? Um, West Virginia, they, yeah, Baylor got robbed in that game. Um, big 12 rep, you know, big, big winner or loser, depending on how you want to think about it is big 12 refs this year or this week. Cause they were atrocious across pretty much every single big 12 game. 
Baylor got robbed of a touchdown late in that game that would have put them over the top and they would have won it in regulation um, the way things were going. And, you know, West Virginia, like, I'm not saying that West Virginia didn't show some things, but I really think that Baylor was the better team that day. Um, Kansas State, uh, I'm not, you know, not really surprised they beat Texas Tech or the way they beat Texas Tech. So I don't really think there's that much to talk about with Kansas State. But the, my, my only thought, and I actually tweeted this while it was going on, I think it was late in the third quarter, and my only thought really to come out of that Baylor-West Virginia game because of just how ugly it was and all the Big 12 ref stuff that was going on was, man, the Kansas defense is absolutely awful after watching what Baylor was doing against West Virginia at that point. Yeah, my only real thoughts are I still have no gauge on how good K-State is because, I mean, they they beat Tech, but I think we kind of expected that. And despite the fact that they beat Oklahoma, which generally would be a fairly good barometer, as we have discussed for, you know, half of this podcast, it's hard to tell how much of an accomplishment that actually is. So I don't know. I'm still I'm still waiting for there to be a game where it's like, okay, wait, they are genuinely legit. They are a genuine contender. Or, oh, you know, they're they're really just pretty much middle of the pack. I don't think they've really had a chance to show for sure what they are or are not. So I'm still kind of waiting on that. Yeah, that's why. So we, we, we've talked a bit about OU Texas, but the other three games this weekend, there's that one. Uh, Iowa State gets Texas Tech in Ames. I feel like Iowa State should be able to win that one unless they just you know have that big post-win letdown. But Kansas State goes to TCU. And that's the other game this coming weekend I'm really interested in. Kansas State, will they have Skyler Thompson back or not? He had a an, in, a, a an arm injury in the second quarter. We saw him with his right arm in a sling in the second half. He didn't play. Uh, true freshman Will Howard uh, took over. He was able to help get things going. Kansas State was able to get the win over Texas Tech, who had obviously lost Alan Bowman. And I, I'm just I'm selling all, all my Alan Bowman stock. I'm giving away because I, I again, it, I don't even know if he fits this offense all that well with Yost. But I, I, I can't. He can't stay healthy. How does Kansas State look going to TCU? Kansas State TCU gives up big play after big play after big play. Defense is really good, but they give the big play. Kansas State showed Will Harrod had a, a 70-yard touchdown pass to Deuce Vaughn. By the way, if you want to be, if, if we're going to reference our, like, the next big hit, it's too late on Deuce Vaughn. He's already a hit. We're already at this point. Like, he's already pretty good. But how does this game go? Because I think this is an opportunity we know at this point. I think TCU, I think we know their offense is good. Max Duggan is legit. The defense is good, except that it gives up the big play a lot. And TCU's offensive line is, uh, but they're able to, to work around it. And they certainly did with Texas. This Kansas State TCU game is really, really interesting to me on Saturday because we're going to find out if Kansas State can win this game uh, on the road in Waco against TCU. I will call Kansas State legit. I will. I will. I will say, okay, we have a, a real true three-horse race for the Big 12 title game between OSU, Iowa State, and Kansas State. Right now, I'm not ready to put Kansas State there. I know they beat Oklahoma. I get it. That 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 win can just kind of lost a little luster after Iowa State beat them, let's just be honest. And their loss to Arkansas State, at least Iowa State's lost Louisiana. Louisiana's 3-0. Arkansas State, that they are 1-2. and That is their only win. I am I am with you, Jamie. I'm, I'm not... I, it's not that I don't think Kansas State's good. 
but I need to see, I need one more win from them. This weekend in Fort Worth against TCU would, would be enough to make me go, all right, we got a horse. We've got one. All right. Back it up. Bye. Back it up. Back it up. Going off for some reason. Back it. <laughs> like my smoke detectors are going off. I'm not sure what happened. Someone must. To all those hot takes. In the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, go, give me a second, guys. I'm gonna go see if I can get this clear before I jump in. <laughs> right, well, while we wait, uh, Jamie, as as we mentioned, Iowa State, Texas Tech this weekend. I I, I won't even ask you which game you're most interested in. We've only got three. We've, we've talked about all you Texas. So. Uh, what are you hoping to see from Iowa State on Saturday against the Red Raiders? Well, a, a win to start, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> good, good, great analysis, Jamie. Yeah, a little, uh, a little bit, a little bit. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, what would be really nice is an authoritative win. Uh, we've we've had a couple close ones, which historically, uh, Iowa State has a habit of dropping close games like that. So I will never ever. Um, dismiss the significance of winning those for a single second. However, it would be really nice to have a game that you start off strong and stay in the driver's seat. Like, I don't know how much more stress my heart can take on Saturdays. So it would very much uh, behoove myself and the other Iowa State fans, I think, for them to really show, yeah, you know what? This isn't just a flash in the pan. This isn't just mid-level, you know, doing what needs to be done, but in the end, it's all kind of mediocre. Like, no, this this team's legit, and we're going to prove it. And I think that going out and having a solid couple-score win against Texas Tech would uh, do the trick. Yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, I, I think that – I definitely think that Iowa State needs to make a statement with this game. Um, to, to jump back to what you were talking about with the Kansas State and TCU game before my house decided that it wanted to get – really mad about hot takes. Um, <laughs> uh, I actually think the winner of that game is actually going to be in the three horse race for the big 12 title. Because if you think about it, TCU barely lost to Iowa state, um, you know, and, and so like that at least puts them back. Like it definitely gets Iowa state the leg up to get to the big 12 title game. But I think that TCU has shown enough in what they've done that if they win this game, against Kansas State, they are a solid contender. Maybe they still have a little bit of extra work to do at that point, but I still think that they've shown us enough that they're going to be sticking around for the rest of the year. Um, you know, I also would actually say, I think that, that Duggan actually, in the brief appearances he's had, has had the best performance of any of the Big 12 quarterbacks this year so far. And if he can keep that up, then that's definitely going to be something that can help carry them towards a title game appearance. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually mind seeing a TCU ISU rematch in there. Um, if that's what we end up getting, cause I think it'll be another really interesting game. Uh, obviously Oklahoma state's gonna have a lot to say about that at this point, but I'm, I'm almost already kind of writing off Texas and Oklahoma in this. And I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of crazy matchup we're going to have in the big 12 title game. Um, you know, but, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely think that that is going to be the best game, uh, that we have coming up this week. But, uh, but I, Iowa State can definitely keep themselves in the conversation with a strong, super strong showing against Texas Tech. Make sure you're ready to go on Saturday at a kickoff for Texas and Oklahoma for Red River by having a nice hot cup of Lazy Fair coffee. Ethically sourced beans from around the world roasted right in the heart of Big 12 country in DFW.
They got flavors for everyone from light roast to dark roast. Like you're going to find something you're going to like. Okay. I, I, it's kind of like Homefield. Like, look, like, yes, they're a sponsor, but we really, really like this stuff. I do. It is really good coffee. And if you like good coffee, I really think you're going to enjoy a bag of beans from Lazy Fair. So whatever your, whatever your flavor is, whatever your palate, they've got Tanzanian Delight, Honduran Surprise, Good Morning Vietnam, and if you like Cuban coffee, Cafe Cubano. So go to Lazy Fair Coffee, L-A-Z-Y-F-A-I-R coffee.com. Get you a bag or two, get to checkout, enter the promo code 1012, get 10% off of your order. Okay. If you live in the DFW area, you definitely should buy a bag. You get free shipping. So go to lazyfaircoffee.com, get yourself a bag of beans, grind them up, warm up your water, have a cup this weekend, have a cup at work, wherever you like to enjoy your coffee, get some Lazy Fair. I think you're really going to enjoy it. All right, so we're going to wrap up with you two. We've got two last guests joining us to wrap up today's 200th episode. 200 episodes. We got we got confetti going here. We got balloons. You can't see it. We're celebrating. We really are. We're, we're throwing some drinks back. Obviously, we had uh, we uh, Andy's house was so excited about 200 episodes. It just it just had to let us know about it. Uh, we've got two great guests to wrap up our show today. Uh, Lee, Stephen Lassen from Athlon joining us, as is Ari Temkin. Sirius XM, Big 12 Radio. Okay, we're going to talk about the playoff. Uh, we're going to talk about the Big 12 title game. Who do we think is going to go after uh, after where we are now with where things stand? So we're going to say goodbye to Andy. We're going to say goodbye to Jamie. Always fun, you guys. Look forward to talking again next Monday. I'm ready to celebrate more wins. I'm just glad that I don't have to worry about a Kansas loss this weekend. <laughs> Uh, make sure and tune in again on Thursday because, of course, we'll have picks with uh, Daniel and Chris. And remember, do not do what I tell you to do because I'm terrible uh, and listen to the other two. Very excited to have our good friend Stephen Lassen from Athlon College Sports joining us today. Stephen, welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us for, for episode 200. Hey, Philip. It's always good to be on the show and congrats on 200 episodes. Uh, you guys do a great job covering the Big 12, and, and I enjoy hopping on and talking to you. And, man, what a uh, what a crazy year it's been, right, with uh, the COVID uncertainty, and now here we are through a couple of the season. It's uh, it's going to be a memorable 2020 for college football and, and just in general. Yeah, definitely college football everywhere and everything else. But, I mean, I don't I mean, Big 12 seems – everything seems to be going exactly like we expected, you OSU, Iowa State, and Kansas State, 2-0 in conference play. Oklahoma down with Texas Tech and Kansas at 0-2, just like everyone drew it up at this point in the season. Um, now, so look, I, I I don't like talking about the playoff that much. I really want to not do it because I think it's it's a bit over-talked about. It seems to, you know, if you don't make the playoff, it's the old, you know, you're the first or your last kind of conversation, which I think gets a bit old. But it it does feel like a conversation that needs to be had at this point. As we mentioned, the only undefeated teams in conference play, Oklahoma State, currently ranked number 10 in the AP poll. They're the only undefeated team in the Big 12 at 3-0. and uh, Iowa State at 2-0 and in conference play. Kansas State at 2-0. and Oklahoma is, I mean, let's just be honest, they're not getting in the playoff this year. Texas at 2-1, and but they got that last TCU. Looking at the conference, is there a realistic shot at them making the playoff this year, or is this just, 
It's just a year where you're just going for the Big 12 title and enjoy it because it's 2020 and it is what it is. You know, I, I want to take up for you on, on something you said there, um, the playoff and just teams in general. I, I mean, it's all about winning the national championship in the playoff, no doubt about it. I mean, that's a huge you know thing for college football. But at the same time, I think it also kind of puts a shadow on everything else that happens within teams and within conferences. I mean, you know, you can find individual storylines with teams all across the country. I mean, just getting bowl eligible is a big deal for some teams. Um, winning a conference title is a big deal. So I, I want to agree with you that I think, it, you know, the, while the playoff looms large and the national title is significant, there's also a lot of other storylines that really matter um, within the shape of a conference. And, you know, I think to look at the Big 12 for this year in terms of the playoff, I mean, right now, I think, you know, Oklahoma State has to be at least in the conversation because they're undefeated. Um, they did not have the loss in conference play like Iowa State did. I think you, you, you mentioned Oklahoma. I, it would take a miracle for them to get back in the playoff picture at this point with, with two losses. So I think it, we have to keep Oklahoma State in the conversation because they're undefeated. But I also think when we think about what's happened in the Big 12 so far, I mean, just the week-to-week -week chaos, the week-to-week -week upsets, I mean, there's really not a ton of separation in my mind between the top tier of teams and even the next tier. Um, you see these teams beating up on each other every week, and I think that's going to continue. So, um, you know, I think Oklahoma State has to be in that conversation, but I would be really surprised if the Big 12 gets a team in this year and I think just nationally Ohio State Clemson and Alabama are on a different level than everyone else and the question is going to be who is that number four and I think when you start looking at the candidates I think it's really hard to find a path for one of those um, big 12 teams whether that's Oklahoma State or you know down way down the list would be Iowa State so yeah I, I really think it's all about the conference title and kind of where some of these teams shake out over the course of the year for the Big 12, because at this point the playoff really looks like a long shot. Yeah. So so let's let's just be honest here. Like I I wouldn't give Oklahoma State a, a great shot at the playoff. I think it would require a an, an undefeated season. Maybe a one loss Big 12 championship would, would would be enough. But I I think you're gonna have a problem this year, and it's it's not so much a shot at Oklahoma State as if Oklahoma is down and Texas is down and, and your next two best teams in the conference end up being, let's say, Iowa State and Kansas State, who have losses to Sunbelt teams in non-conference, um, even if even if Tulsa makes a, an amazing run through the American and wins the American and looks really good and suddenly that win for Oklahoma State looks even better, I, my concern for OSU is even as a one-loss Big 12 champ, are there going to be, or whoever wins the Big 12, are there going to be the opportunities for wins on the schedule in the Big 12 this year that are going to make people think that that winner is is deserving of a of a shot at the playoff? Yeah, that's a great point. I, I think to, to some extent, if you're an Oklahoma State fan and you're trying to figure out a path to the playoff, you actually probably need to be like Oklahoma's biggest fan because you want teams that are ranked in the top 25. You know, you want Iowa State, Kansas State, TCU – those teams to be in the top 25 so that way when you win if you're Oklahoma State you're beating other top 25 teams uh, Iowa State to me is is interesting because Louisiana um, who they lost to in week one 
is ranked by most people. Um, you know, we have them in our top 25 after this week. So, you know, in theory, if you're Oklahoma State, Iowa State keeps winning. You beat them once in the regular season. You beat them in the Big 12 championship game. Maybe that's two top 15 wins. Oklahoma, Texas, somebody bounces back in the rankings. There will be opportunities. But at the same time, I think that what, what, what we're kind of running into here is there's just really not a team in the Big 12 that's elite this year. Oklahoma was, you know, they edged out everybody else in the conference. They were good enough to be that number four team in the nation. And when you start getting to that conversation nationally for number four, you'd be comparing Oklahoma State to Florida, Georgia, um, you know, probably Notre Dame, Miami this year. Uh, there's, you know, probably, you know, Penn State from the Big Ten. I, I wouldn't put Oklahoma, an undefeated Oklahoma, Oklahoma State team in that category, they would have a chance because they could go undefeated. But also, I don't know that I would bet on a Big 12 team going undefeated this year just because of what we've seen. And also just, you know, based upon, you know, the the history and just seeing how close some of these teams are, it's really hard to see. So if you're an Oklahoma State fan, you kind of have to root for everyone else to, to be in the top 25 with you win. And that means everything kind of breaking perfectly this year. Stephen, as always, pleasure to have you here on the show. Thank you for joining us today. Everyone, if you if you don't follow Stephen, go to at Athlon Stephen. Uh, Stephen is, of course, the college football editor for Athlon Sports. Does a fantastic job. Always appreciate your time in it and look forward to having you on again here in the, in the future. Absolutely, Philip. Thanks again for having me on and congrats on 200 episodes. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Joining us now, Ari Temkin, host of Big 12 Radio, Sirius XM College. And uh, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, uh, you know his voice very well. Ari, thanks for joining us for our 200th episode, man. Thanks for having me. It's quite the accomplishment to making it to 200 episodes. Honestly, I mean, it, it's there are a lot of podcasts out there, a lot that don't make it to 200. So congratulations to you and what you've done here, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. You've been a, a avid supporter of the show, and I can't say enough how appreciative that I am of that and uh, and of you donating some time tonight to to talk with us about the Big 12. Uh, and let's let's dive right in. Uh, looking at the conference standings, it's just the way we all thought it would be. Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Kansas State, 2-0 in conference play. Uh, OU, Texas Tech, and Kansas at 0-2. And everybody else in the middle at 1-1, including Texas, uh, Baylor, TCU, and West Virginia. This is exactly how we all predicted it would be at this point in the season, in all, in all seriousness. Um, looking at the standings, and it's still so early, and it's hard to take, you know, you don't want to overreact to week one, and you don't want to overreact this early in the season. We've seen crazy things happen. We've seen teams come back from the dead uh, more in basketball, but in, in football all the time. It happens every year. But looking at the state of things now, let's just start with OU. Are they dead in the water, or do you actually think this is a team that could still, as wacky as this year is probably going to be, contend for the Big 12 title? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's, it'd be crazy to watch the first couple of weeks of Big 12 play and, and think anybody's out of it save for Kansas, you know? I mean, Oklahoma still has – they have a ton to work through, but they still have a ton of talent. And, I mean, look, Oklahoma State looks really good, only undefeated team of the conference. But it's just hard to believe that any of these teams are going to make it through unscathed. But I, I think it's clear that, that, you know, Oklahoma State clearly the best team of the conference right now. And then I would say Oklahoma and, and nobody at this point is out of it, except, of course, for my lonely Kansas Jayhawks that are, you know, just setting records for futility once again. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'll go ahead and go out on a limb here and say I think Texas Tech might also be out of it. They might not be. They could figure some things out. Yeah, that's fair. They're probably out of it, too. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think what's obvious here is, is you know, they so if they talk a lot about how the NFL is a week to week league, you know, and that's just parody and you never know what you're gonna get in a week and like normally college football's not like that. And and you look across the landscape of power five and the, you know, you have the haves and the have nots. The Big Twelve this year is very much a week to week league. You know, you don't know and this is why I say I, I, I throw tech out there, is you just don't really like you know week to week what you're gonna get going up against Kansas. You do. Everybody else, you're not really sure. These are all really close teams, a lot of talent, high scoring potential offenses. So, you know, this year more so than other years, it's clearly not gonna be very top heavy in this conference and so it's a week to week league. Fair enough. So of our of our two or our three two and O teams in conference play, Oklahoma State two and O, Iowa State and Kansas State. Do you see anyone there that you think is a pretender or a team that they're two and O now, but we're going to look back in a few weeks and be like, it was a nice start for them, but they've come back to reality. Well, I mean, if Skyler Thompson's going to be out for an extended period of time, you know, that, that could be problematic um, in terms of their likelihood of competing. I mean, I, I mean, they, they've just been getting tremendous games from Deuce Vaughn who despite being from Round Rock, Texas, just North of Austin was not recruited by any school in the state of Texas, which is incredible. It's criminal. Let the Darren Sproles comparison continue for, for Deuce Vaughn, but yeah, I mean that that's a you know that's a fear that I would have for Kansas State um, at the quarterback position. Um, yeah, I mean I, I think again I think Oklahoma State's clearly the best team in the conference, you know, through the first couple of weeks, and I, I'm just not sure who I trust beyond that. Even if I trust Oklahoma State, so we got like I said four one and ones: uh, West Virginia, TCU, Texas, and Baylor. Uh, but not all one and ones are created equal. It feels like, you know, right now you would say the Big 12 title game probably going to be between a couple of these 2-0 and teams. But man, as weird as this season feels, I just have a, I have a hard time saying we're not going to probably see two two-loss teams in the Big 12 title game this year. So that could potentially include some of these one-and-one teams. Of the, the teams that have lost a game, who do you see has the best chance to to kind of get things going and make it to Arlington at the end of the season. Well, let me throw it back to you. So you, you seem a little skittish on the Cowboys. It's obviously your, your, your team. Yeah. So what's, what's, I mean, the obvious flaw is the health of Spencer Sanders, but at least we've seen enough from Shane Ellingworth to think that he's competent enough to run this offense. Right. I mean, how good is Oklahoma state in your estimation? I have a hard time. Okay. So we've got the win over Tulsa, which looks better after they beat UCF. Right. Um, and I, I'm, I am tired of seeing people try and dog Oklahoma state for how that game went. Like you went through three different quarterbacks. It's the first game of the season. Chuba Hubbard didn't look like Chuba Hubbard. Offensive line had some real issues. They seem to be like, let it go. Uh, then you, you beat a West Virginia team that I think is, I mean, everyone had an issue on upset alert. It felt like, and they, they beat West Virginia. Soundly, it feels like. I know it got closer in the second half, but you you really didn't feel too bad. And then you curb stomp Kansas, and can't, everyone's probably going mean, to – Baylor kind of curb stomp. I think everyone's going to curb stomp. Coastal Carolina basically did. So I don't know what to take away from it other than I think Oklahoma State's defense is legit. I do. Um, I need to see them go up against a, a good offensive line to know just how good that D-line is. But I think schematically, I think from a D.C. standpoint, I think from a talent standpoint, I think from a depth standpoint, that defense is arguably one of the best defenses in the Big 12. It might be the best. I don't want to say it's the best yet because of the opponents they've gone up against. I need to see them against somebody I have enough respect for to say, Okay, I need the offense to show me what they did against Kansas against a legitimate defense. I just I don't have enough of what we've seen against who we've seen to say 
this team isn't going to lose more than one game. Because I think this is a season where two losses, you could still get the Big 12 title game, but it's going to be a matter of who you lose to and tiebreakers and all this stuff. For me to say, OSU is going to be at Arlington at the end of the season, like in two weeks when they go to Waco, I need to see them not only beat Baylor, but look good against Baylor. I need that offense to be clicking that week, not back to what it was against Tulsa and West Virginia. Yeah, I mean, I think that's obvious, right? Like they, they haven't, three opponents they played, you know, haven't been great, but I, mean, I think it's obvious the worst opponent they played right now is Kansas, but Tulsa beat UCF this weekend. That was a pretty, pretty big win for them, and it makes the Oklahoma State win over Tulsa a bigger win. I mean, it, it's their schedule setups sets up really nicely here. It kind of has worked out really well where you, you start off, you've got three games, and then, you know, you three easy wins, nice easy wins. You do you take care of business, what you're supposed to do. And I mean, Tulsa wasn't easy, but, but go with me. And then now you get a now you get a week off, and then you have a real tough stretch, starting with you know in Waco, and you know it was it Iowa State, and then Texas, you know. So this is they have a nice rest period here to get ready for this stretch of games, which is going to be really tough and define a season. But you know this this was a season going in where there was high expectations for Oklahoma State, and it's been a, it was a crazy off season to finally get there, but. Um, I, I would say right now the conference is pretty clear for them if they want to be that Oklahoma or Texas, which seems outrageous, but it certainly was an expectation based on, you know, what they had coming back and what they have talent-wise. And, you know, I, I feel even better about it because I think there were major question marks about Spencer Sanders coming into the year. I mean, he's got all, all the talent in the world, but, you know, just, just made some mistakes where you want to see him overcome them this year. And, you know, I don't know that Shane Ellingworth is, you know, an amazing quarterback, but he's he's just shown to be against bad teams, but shown to be pretty competent. And it's not like he has a bad situation. I mean, they've got the weapons to where you know he can weather the storm. So I just I, I just feel a lot better about them now being as dominant as maybe we thought they should be, or you know being a team that can go undefeated um, than I did kind of before the season started. Um, and I, so I I guess I feel better with about Oklahoma State now more than ever. Uh, about their potential to win this conference, obviously, and then and then you know beyond, who knows beyond that, especially if they go undefeated. But you know, again, going back to what I talked about earlier, still a week to week league, and you know maybe they'll have a game where they slip up, and it's like, yep, that this is just how competitive and maybe not top heavy this conference is this year. Yep. Uh, okay, so let's let's wrap up on on the question you avoided. No, I'm kidding. Uh, of, of West Virginia TCU. I finished up and I was like, wait, what question did I not answer there when I just talked about Oklahoma State instead? That's fine. I'm always happy to talk OSU. Uh, West Virginia, TCU, Texas, and Baylor. Of those four teams, I mean, Texas feels like the answer, but even that, I'm not sure how great I feel about. Like, of those one-loss teams so far, who do you think legit, if, if you had to say one of those is going to make it to Arlington, which one is it? Okay, so who has who's the best quarterback in the Big 12 right now? Yeah. Oh, um, um, <laughs> I'm going to answer your question. I promise you. It's not an easy question to answer. I, 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 part of me, like it's, I almost want to say Spencer Rattler because it's not his fault that OU is 0 and 2 in conference play, like at all. I, I, I know I'm supposed to say Ellinger. I'm going to let my kind of like fanboy of him. I know I'm supposed to say Purdy because Iowa State's been really good. Uh, I know we've only seen six quarters, but is it a stretch to say Duggan? I think it's Max Duggan too. I think I mean we he can only control what he can control. He I, I think he should have been allowed to play the entire game. You know, Gary Patterson said they wanted to kind of let it. You know they wanted to steal a game here without him. 
but he, you know, if only you could have seen how hard he worked to get back. It's like, well, why not reward him then for the hard work he put in by giving him a start? I mean, he's, I don't care how many quarters he's played. He's, he's been the best quarterback in this conference. Um, so it's like preseason expectations be damned. He was down the list because he wasn't, he was, he won some games last year and looked good, but he was a running quarterback last year. He was not very good consistently throwing the football. So, I mean, it, it, considering what he went through this offseason and clear work he's put in despite the, what he went through this offseason. So that's a long way to say I'll go with, at this point who the best quarterback is in the conference right now. When we agree, it's Max Duggan. I'll go with TCU. I will say he looked really good against Texas last year and not great against everyone else. So um, I'd like to see Duggan do it. And for a full I would have liked to see what would have happened else. against Iowa State if he would have started that game. Yeah. Uh, I think Andy uh, earlier on the show basically said, you know, an Iowa State TCU rematch in the Big 12 title game with a full, you know, a full four quarters of Max Duggan would be interesting. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of would be interesting to watch what would happen if Duggan played full four quarters. It's not out of the realm of possibility to see those two teams in Arlington. It would be really weird. Yeah. No question. But yeah. All right, Ari, as always, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show here. Everybody make sure that if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, you're listening to 105.3 The Fan uh, every Sunday before and after. And, of course, if you're a Sirius XM subscriber, uh, Big 12 Radio, I believe that's Channel 375. You got it. You must listen every day. Oh, all the all the time. I take really good notes. Um, Ari, as, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on here, man, and I look forward to having you back on soon. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.